calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Whole lot, junkie. Hey, how's your spring coming along? Yes, it is spring. It's about damn time. And with spring brings the momentous date of April 1st. Now, most people know this is April Fool's Day. You, on the other hand, an insider, know it and love it as Sigler Ascension Day. April 1st marks the 15th anniversary of the day, April 1st, 2007, where my indie book Ancestor hit number one on Amazon's sci-fi and horror bestseller list and was the number two fiction book in the entire store behind only Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Now, this was before ebooks were in the store, mind you. It was a regular old paperback book battling against all the other books in the world. That success led to the auction for Infected, which was bought by Penguin Random House, and the rest is history. So how do we celebrate this incredible Sigler Ascension Day this year? With some new merch! We're working on new merch for our new store. This is the first new Sigler's merch in a long time. Do you want to save 10% on that new merch? Hell, on any and all merch in the entire store? Then get on our newsletter and or SMS text list. Text SIGTEXT, S-I-G-T-E-X-T, one word, to 855-955-5095. And or sign up for our newsletter at scottsigler.com slash newsletter. Do either or both, and near the end of March, you'll get a 10% off coupon to use on all of the new goodies. And if you're already signed up for those, you're going to get that 10%. doesn't hurt to make sure that you are. And dare I say, dare I say, there might be some PUV James Keeling stuff coming. Yes. Yes, I dare. Let me get you caught up on the story so far, and then we're all going to go drop a nice dab of nurple. Previously on Slay, Billy Little B. Middleton got a beating from the Rolling Outlaws, a neighborhood gang with aspirations far beyond that neighborhood. Butch, the gang's leader, demanded that Billy cough up 10% of all drug deals and that Butch gets to meet Billy's drug dealing connections. The problem is, Billy doesn't work the drug game anymore, and he hasn't communicated with those connections since the man in gray killed seven men and broke up Billy's one and only deal. Billy will have to deal with Butch and gang members Money Monday and Big Hack, but first, he's got to figure out how to manage his addiction to Nurple. Meanwhile, Lincoln's plan to go into business with Ariella Goldsmith is already problematic. 
unhappy with the ramshackle condition of the old stone church where Lincoln, Magda, Dragon, and now Ariella live, Ariella has called in a favor to have the plumbing fixed up. This infuriated both Lincoln and Magda as it put their location and their safety at risk. Ariella told them to hide away in the church's nave and watch TV while she takes care of business. Billy staggered down the sidewalk, passing through the misty cones cast by streetlights. The rare quiet of early morning. Few cars, no hookers calling out, no Johns driving up to them, only the distant hum of hidden machinery that seems to make every city thrum. The air still smelled of piss and garbage, though. No matter what time of day, this neighborhood always smelled like garbage and piss. He wasn't sure how long he had been out. He needed answers, and beat down or no beat down, he needed them now. His head throbbed. Not from the DTs this time, but from the beating Butch, Money Monday, and Big Hack had put on him. Billy had awoken, shivering from the cold, next to the dumpster behind the 7-Eleven. His right eye was swollen shut. Blood trickled from his nose. The blood he tasted, though, that was from a split lower lip. A loose tooth. His ribs felt like he'd been used as a punching bag. The magical, glowing signs remained, but were so faint he could barely make them out. The Burger King still had the graffiti, The King Takes It Raw in His Flame Broiler, but BK Fry sucks several bags of dicks seemed to be gone. On the McDonald's wall, the message had changed to Hamburglar Gurgles Grimacegoo. Oh my! Well, 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 if it isn't Mr. I'm-not-doing-this-stuff-ever-again. Billy realized he'd stumbled right up to the mailbox with the big, lipsticked lips. But he could barely see the lips now. They were a ghostly image. Transparent. A faint hint of the lush, wet red and blazing white teeth that had spoken him after the massacre at the warehouse. After that psychopath had murdered Joe. Told you you'd be back, the mailbox said. Could a talking mailbox sound like a know-it-all? This one did. Billy looked across the street, to the alley, the place he had come to get some answers. Is the nerp-perp still in there? Probably, the mailbox said. Say, did you bring anything to mail? Some cookies, perhaps? Maybe a letter with a spritz of perfume? I'm partial to Chanel number five. Billy stumbled away. He heard the mailbox yell, Write to me! But the voice was faint, like it was coming from another universe. The alley entrance was a dark slit between buildings, the half-open mouth of a lazy, waiting predator. Billy entered, the darkness swallowing his sight for a moment. When his eyes adjusted, he saw a blanket-wrapped homeless man at the end of the alley, sitting cross-legged behind a candelabra, its four half-melted white candles unlit. The man's beard looked dirty and tangled. Gray-streaked, wiry black, dotted with cracker crumbs. Bent, wire-framed glasses accentuated deep wrinkles that lined half-lidded eyes. The man had a half-smile to go with them. Billy approached. The homeless guy looked him up and down. Wow, man, you look like you got into a fight or something. Or something. Billy felt a trickle of blood on his upper lip. 
He used the back of his hand to wipe his nose. I want to know about a drug. A drug? Wow, man. I don't know anything about drugs. Never touch the stuff, man. It messes with your head. Who told you I know anything about drugs, man? A mailbox, Billy said. The man leaned to his right, looked past Billy, and out of the alley. Bummer, man. That Rocky's got a real big mouth. Billy let that one go. There's also that neon sign spray-painted on your alley, he said. The one that says, Nerp-perps Nerpatorium? The guy's eyes squinted. Oh, wow. He nodded to himself. Yeah, man, I forget about that sometimes. Good advertising, though, right, man? I take it you're the Nerp-perp. In the flesh, man. You want a vial or just a dab? Four for three deal on vials, man. Pretty hip. Today only, though. But you look like a just-a-dab guy, to be honest. I don't take credit, though, man. Gold, meshwork, or treasure only, you dig? Meshwork? What the hell was meshwork? No, Billy said. I don't want it. I Looks like you want it, man. Looks like you want it real bad. How many dabs you done total, man? Fifteen? Twenty? Billy sat, using a bag of trash as his chair. Just one, he said. I didn't really have a choice. What is Nurple anyway? Why does it make me see monsters and magic and shit? And all the weird signs like yours? Why? Shh. The single sibilant softly slid from the perp's mouth like a snake's sigh. He looked down the alley, then up, then up to the sides, searching for something. You can't just talk about it like that, man. Not when you're almost dry. Jerboas are always listening, man. It was the second time Billy had heard that word. What is a Jerboa? Very funny, man. Seriously, though, man, how many dabs have you done so far? One, Billy said. I told you. Oh, wow, man. How long ago? Billy wasn't really sure. Not with all the late nights, the puking, and the sleeping. A uh, couple of days, I guess. Um... Two days, maybe a little more. The perp lit a candle. Not with a lighter or a match, but with a spark of green flame that flickered from his fingertip. Wow, that's unusual, man. First dab's usually gone in a few hours. These people thinking they hallucinated everything. Like on acid, man. Not that I'd know. I don't do acid, man. It messes with your head. Billy had never done acid either, but he had a hunch the stuff didn't compare to the Nurple experience. This stuff I saw, is it real? It can't be real, right? I mean, monsters and magic, they aren't real, are they? The Nurp perp lit a second candle. Hey, man, you know what you need? You need a dab, man. Billy shook his head and immediately regretted it. Pain throbbed in his skull and in his mouth. Look, perp, Billy said. I'm not taking that stuff again. I don't have money right now, but I've, I mean, I did do this one deal. I'll pay you for the info. I'm good for it. A bushy eyebrow raised high. You got gold, man? Dante hadn't paid in gold. Dante had paid in good old-fashioned cash. Billy had a fat stack at home and an envelope taped up under his bed. That was college money, his chance to make something of himself. Hadn't he sacrificed enough for it? And yet, he needed to understand this madness, 
He needed to know about this strange world seemingly hiding in plain sight. I'll give you five grand. That was half of his ill-gotten gains. But you got to explain this, man, all right? Explain all of it. He was asking a homeless drug dealer who lived in the back of a trash-filled alley to show him the way. Billy wished he'd never answered the phone when Joe called from Miami. 5,000, man? Behind bent wire rims, the perp's eyes squinted. Hey, man, you talking like cash, like dollars, like paper money? Billy, annoyed, nodded. Yes, cold hard cash, five G's. Man, I told you, I only deal in gold, meshwork, and treasure. The creeping grip of frustration, bordering on panic. Fuck it, Billy said. I'll give you ten grand, okay? Ten thousand dollars. That's all I got, though. And I... Someone yanked him up violently from behind by his ripped shirt. The collar dug into his throat. Billy tried to put his feet on the ground, but he was too high in the air. A shake, a spin, and he found himself eye to eye with Big Hack. You got ten large, little bee? Then you owe a thou to Butch. And introduce me to your smelly-ass friend here, because he's Butch's friend now. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave, with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep, with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Up on the big screen, Donnie Wahlberg and Lou Diamond Phillips traded barbs. The big hit was one of Magda's favorite hitman movies. She usually quoted lines of dialogue as if she saw subtitles invisible to all but her, but this time, she sat silent, curled up in a blanket, the blue bong resting on her lap. Silence was better than yelling, but the tension between she and Lincoln was only slightly abated by the weed, the whiskey, the beer, and whatever that pill was Lincoln had found on the coffee table. Dragon sat between them. The little black dog nestled up in a blanket and sleeping soundly. Lincoln hoped Dragon didn't have a contact buzz. That was bad for dogs, wasn't it? Oh well, shit happened. 
He heard the nave door open, followed by the too loud click-clack of Ariella's expensive heels, then the slam of the same door being shut with far more force than necessary. Dragon came awake all at once, turned and leapt over the back of the couch. Lincoln caught the flying dog with one hand, gently set the squirming, wiggling, waggling bit of black on the blanket, and held her there. Ted's working on the heater, Ariella said. He should have it functioning by tomorrow. Alonzo is on his way. He's going to drain the basement flooding and seal up the foundation so it doesn't happen again. Another visitor, Magda muttered. This bitch going to get us killed. Lincoln looked at the bottom right of the big screen, where the computer displayed the time. 3.45 a.m. He turned, slowly. Not to be dramatic, but rather because he was so high, slowly was all the speed he could manage. Ariella stood a few feet from the couch, anger in her eyes, and a big book under one arm. Hold on, Lincoln said. You have another person coming here? After you pissed me off for calling the first person? And the second person, he, Alfonso, Ariella snapped. That's his name, and the first person I called also has a name, too. It's Ted. I'll call them. I don't give a fuck, one, and I don't give a fuck, two, Lincoln said. I don't give a fuck, two, is coming out here at a quarter to four in the morning? Ariella nodded curtly, which made her big turquoise necklace rattle. That's correct. Alonzo is a contractor. He'll turn that swampy castle mode of a basement into usable space. Lincoln knew he shouldn't have got high. What he should have done was tell this bossy lawyer to not bring anyone else here, but after the objections to Ted, that didn't seem like something that actually needed to be said out loud. The basement is a lost cause, Lincoln said. There's two inches of water down there. It's all moldy and shit. And what's all this going to cost me? Nothing, Ariella said. Nothing for the labor, anyway. Alonzo owes Esme Wilkerson Standish a favor. For materials, for him and Ted both, I will need around five grand to get started. I expect that to blossom to ten grand pretty quickly. You know how contractors are. I don't suppose either one of you got that kind of money? Magda laughed. Yeah, I keep a spare stack of Benjamin shoved right up my pussy. She put a lighter to the bong's bowl. This bitch, Link, I swear. Twenty grand. Ariella made it sound like that was chump change. I got a few gold pieces, Lincoln said. For my last bounty. It's enough to get him started, at least. Ariella shook her head. Ted and Alonzo aren't enlightened, Lincoln. You hand them patchwork gold, and I give it 15 minutes until Jaboas show up. They need regular money. The terrestrial kind. How much do you have in here, with you, in the building, I mean? Lincoln thought of the mason jar in the kitchen, where he and Magda kept regular money. That was where he had stashed the bills he'd taken from Dante. About a thousand bucks, Lincoln said. More like a hundred, Magda said. Lincoln turned on her. Where in the hell did you spend nine hundred bucks? Magda took a big, burbling bong hit. She held it. When she answered, she sounded like Kermit the Frog Smoke leaking from her mouth. Well, paid about one-fourth of the back electrical bill, she said. <sighs> Enough to keep the lights on. And we've been eating a lot of pizza. Well, Lincoln couldn't really complain about that. You have one hundred dollars here, Ariella said. Why am I not surprised? She held up the book. 
That's why we need to get to work by which you need to get to work, Lincoln. She had her own copy of Baphomol's Big Binder of Bounties. He should have guessed. I'm not going after the kabooter and camping, he said. We'll see about that, Ariella said. Let's take a look at the new bounties. We need to get some treasure in here as a contractually binding down payment on Kalista's contract, but we also need some operating capital. And some fucking eggs, Magda said in a held breath voice before letting out a stream of smoke. Lincoln stood, thwarting another escape attempt by the living wriggle known as Dragon and faced the scowling lawyer. Ariella, this can wait until morning. I'm drunk. I'm high. I might be tripping. And I am tired. Ariella stepped closer. Then sober up, quick. She set the binder on the back of the couch. Let's find someone willing to pay terrestrial money, then move on to treasure after that. She flipped open the cover of the binder, made from tanned human skin. New bounties in the front, obviously. Let's see, uh, this first one, there's an imp that's loose in Somersault Mall's ductwork. No, that pays in gold. We need cash. She flipped the page, which made a tiny squeal when it scraped against the bone binder rings. There's a basilisk on the island that needs extermination. Nope, that one pays with a charm bracelet. We'll come back to that. Lincoln felt Dragon's tiny tongue on his cheek. He nuzzled the dog's long, soft fur as he eyed the book. Hold on. He put a hand on the page to stop Ariella from flipping it. What's this one? Something about missing kids? I already tried that one, she said. It's bodyguard duty for Kellyus Droman. Magda coughed out a cloud of smoke. <laughs> Kellyus fucking Droman? You mean the mage? Droman was one of, if not the, most powerful mages in the city. His meshwork was the best around. Aside from his magical abilities, which brought in who knew how much money, he owned a chain of pet supply stores, a trucking company, and two Tesla dealerships, among other things. He's loaded, Lincoln said. Like, really loaded. He has kids or something? One daughter, Ariella said. A few enlightened kids have come up missing in the past few months. Droman is hiring enlightened bodyguards for his daughter, Delilah. Kidnapped kids. Lincoln knew that pain all too well. Let's do that job, he said. It's got to pay big, right? Maybe the kidnapper was Teddy Two Fingers, the same motherfucker who'd abducted little Sam. Maybe Lincoln would finally get the chance to snap that bastard's neck. I told you I already tried, Ariella said. Apparently, your reputation is less dedicated protector and more let's kill everything in sight. We need to build up a track record before Drummond will even talk to us. She flipped the page. Ah, here's one that pays cash. Fifty grand and it's local. Take a look. On the page, an artist's rendition of a young man's face stared out. Wait a minute, Lincoln said. I recognize that kid. He was part of a drug deal set up by Dante Oganoff. Ariella looked closer at the page. Well, there you go. Oganoff put up the contract. Dante obviously thought the kid had set him up, but Kalista had provided the goblin's location. Lincoln had never seen that kid before the warehouse. That kid was part of Dante's deal. I let him go. I also let Dante go, as long as he got out of town. See, Ariella, I don't kill everything in sight. Ariella raised an eyebrow. 
in how many people were at this drug deal, Lincoln? Nine. Nine, she echoed. You let two go. What happened to the other eight? Lincoln paused for a second. Yeah, I guess I see your point. Ariella examined the page. The target's name is listed only as Lil B, little apostrophe and everything. Is he wanted dead or alive? Dead, Ariella said. Head only to be delivered to the clearinghouse in Cordis. That would mean a trip to the island. Maybe Lincoln could get Dylan Cantrell to take the head down to the clearinghouse so he wouldn't have to go down into the patchwork. Does the contract say where the kid is? No known address, Ariella said. There's a list of a few places he's been seen, but they're pretty spread out. Now, I don't want you wasting a week finding this guy. Think you can track him down before anyone else does? We need that money, Lincoln. Lincoln remembered that the kid had not smelled of wickedness, not even a whiff of it. Still, this Lil B was in the drug game, and when you play with swords, you are bound to get sliced. And 50 grand was 50 grand. Yeah, Lincoln said. I think I can find him. He let out a sharp whistle. Seconds later, Shitbird flapped into the room and landed on Lincoln's shoulder. Dragon squirmed and squirmed to reach up and lick the crow, but Lincoln held the dog firm. Shitbird! Lincoln pointed to the page. You remember that face? The crow leaned toward the binder. Was at the warehouse! At the warehouse! Pissed his pants! Pissed his pants! Lincoln pointed to the list of locations where Little B had been seen. A bar named Puke Miller's, a Starbucks over on 4th, and a Russian restaurant not that far from the warehouse where the deal had gone down. Lincoln pointed to the locations. Shitbird, get to these places and start searching. You find this kid for me, and you get two bags of crackers. The crow took off so fast that pin feathers flew. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. The one thing I constantly hear successful people say, without fail, is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids. That's time no one can get back. So I decided to create Business Dad, to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now, providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. 
Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.